Let's begin. Parshas Chaye Saro. So, you know, Parshas and Bereshit, the problem is you don't like get out of the box. You got like the first Pasuk and then you just get inundated and you never go further. So, I am, that's what I'm going to do because uh, that's what happens. Someone at that door or no? I also thought I heard something. No? Okay. So, of course, the first Pasuk, very famous. I just I saw a, a fascinating shot I wanted to share and then we'll get into the more of the what uh, we want to get to. Oh, Givaldi. Very good. Vyu Chaye Saro. Mea shanav esim shanav v'sheva shanim shnei chaye saro. We all know the famous Rashi. Rashi says 127. That like 100 was like 20 was like 7. So happens to be this past week, Rav David Grossman, the disco rabbi. I think everyone knows him from. The book of, I think it's so, a living legend, the art school book that he has. Anyways, he stopped by uh, the Kilo by us. So he said this vart. And that's what got me into the mode of this Pasuk. So uh, we're going to bring out a few other Pashatim. It says that she, she was 100, like 20, like 7. 100, like 20 for sin, because you don't get punished until 20, like 7 for beauty. So everyone asks the question, what's more beautiful? What's more beautiful, a 20-year-old or a 7-year-old? And the answer, we all answer is, the answer that all the Mepharshim say, is that a 20-year-old is more beautiful. Fascinating. First we'll start just with the uh, you know, tidbit that we never knew, Pshat. Taisvis, Taisvis, the Sefer Taisvis HaShalem, which was from all the Bali Taisvis, writes that Bizman HaToyra, they were larger. How do we know they were larger, Bizman HaToyra? Rivka. How old was Rivka when she's sitting giving water to all the camels? She's three years old. And everyone asks, she's three years old, how in the world is she giving water to the camels? So Taisvis in the Sefer explains, you know, she was giving water to the camels because they were large human beings. Not just, I think we were all brought up that they were mature at a young age. Taisvis, they weren't just mature, they were physically bigger at a younger age. So if a three-year-old could be giving water to the camels, then a seven-year-old could be already mature. And therefore it makes sense that a seven-year-old could have some level of beauty that is his pshat. But let's, let's get to uh, um, the Bishat that uh, I heard Rav David Grossman said, Bishim, I think he said Bishim, his father. I think that's what he said. He was talking in English, but sometimes you prefer that they talk in Hebrew. But he, was a, I think he said Bishim, his father, that uh, does a seven-year-old care about their beauty? The answer is no. Yes, everyone's thinking, no, my seven-year-old daughter does care, my seven-year-old niece and nephew cares, but they care in a, a cute, fun type of way. A seven-year-old doesn't really care about how they look. Whereas a 20-year-old certainly... Their chairs are great. A 20-year-old certainly cares about how they look. So you know what the Pashtik is teaching us? When she was 100, she was like 20, like 7. That she cared about her looks at age 20 like a 7-year-old cares about her looks. Not like the beauty of a 7-year-old. No. Like the 7-year-old cares about their beauty. Now that is something which is a life lesson that we can learn from children, is that children don't really care about external so much. Proof is, you could find kids, and sometimes like, you even wonder, like, oh, you're friends with that kid? And like, you don't want to say that, because you're supposed to be you know, giving over good chinuch. But you, like, you wonder, but that kid's like the nebuch, and that kid's like the this, that, and they are. What's the answer? The answer is because kids have a pure beauty that they could see beyond the externals. They don't necessarily get turned off by something that in our world, our um, physical minds have been morphed to think that this look and this, this, and this talk and this, this is not desirable. Kids don't have that. So she was 100, like 20, like 7, like a 7-year-old cares about their beauty. That's what he said, David Grossman said over, the shame his father. I would like to take this one step further to uh, 
to bring out an incredible lesson. What does that mean that a seven-year-old doesn't care about their beauty? That means a seven-year-old doesn't care about any external things in their life. They don't care about externalities. They don't care necessarily about looks, about anything external. They are internal beings. Kids, that's what kids are. Happy, carefree kids are that, which is maybe part of the reason why they're, they're uh, so fluctuating. They're crying one second, they're laughing the next second. Everything is good. Everything is terrible. It's ups and downs and this and that. But the answer is that they don't care about the externals. Perhaps that is the pshat in why by a hundred she made it without sin. Because if you don't care about externals, you can live an incredible life and actually have focus on what matters. Because what is that which pulls us away from the truth? Externals, physicalities, the world around us. In a vacuum, we don't do things wrong. In a vacuum, we don't get turned off. But when the world around us tricks us, that's when we start going down the wrong road. So she was 100, like 20, like 7. Let's put the whole thing together. Like 20, like 7, she didn't care about looks. If she didn't care about looks, then she was able to not care about anything external. And then she was able to live her life not worrying about externalities at all and therefore being avoiding sin. But the question is, it sounds very nice. Let's prove this from the end of the parsha. Eliezer, the servant of Avram is coming to find a shidduch for Yitzchak. And he comes, and he meets Rivka, and he says to Rivka, uh, please give me to drink, and she gave the camels. So let's ask a very basic question. What was he testing her? Her chesed, right? Is she the head of the chesed organization? Does she bake cookies for sick kids? Does she this? Beautiful. Oh, so nice and sweet. But one second. Avram Avinu, what did he stand for? Yes, he was chesed. But Avram Avinu, his, if we were to say his, uh, uh, whatever the fancy English word is, was that he found God. He was a maimon. He was a muna. Yes, he did chesed. That's true. And that's how we brought everyone in. But Avram Avinu, Avram Ivri, as we spoke, he was on one side of the world and everyone's on the other side of the world. He found God. So if you're going to find a shidduch for his son, shouldn't he be worried about the level of a muna of the girl? But he was doing a test about chesed. Where does chesed... Good, this is what we're going to have to prove. But where does chesed prove emunah? Somebody who's, a, somebody who's a big giver. Uh, uh, somebody uh, who's a big giver good. That Someone's a big giver. Good. So we're gonna, I, I, this is exactly the point. I just want to go a little bit deeper. You have going that of philanthropist. So first of all, going philanthropist, I don't know if I've told, I told the story about... Uh, oh, that, that's for sure true. So I'll tell you a story about going philanthropist just on this side is uh, a wealthy Jew, which has a massive company by Hurricane, um, I feel like it was Katrina. Maybe I wrote this story, I don't remember. I think I told the story over, but very quickly, all the people in his office, like, oh, we have to do something for the people in the hurricane, we have to collect money, we have to do something. Hundreds of employees. Whatever it is, right? So the CEO, a Yid, the Yid, the Yid says, oh, Givaldic, you know what? He sends out a memo to all his hundreds of employees and he says, I decided there's been such a desire to help the victims of whatever. I'm going to match whatever you give. You know, real, real. Yeah, this was before the charity campaigns and matching and tripling, you know. This is uh, 10, 15 years ago. I'm going to match. And he sits down. He sits down and he thinks, okay, you know, what's it going to be? A few hundred employees, okay. 50 grand, 100 grand, okay. Whatever it is, I'll do it. Beautiful. Make it a jajam. And he's watching the money come in. Like, not 36, they're going, you know, 100, the whole thing of a few hundred employees was like $7,012. 
Yay! And they were so excited. They gave so much. Yeah, Goyim don't know how to give. They don't know how to give. They're not yidin. You go, 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 pick them a shulch and go send them around. You know, he's not going to make what our... What, 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 Very good. When they had the stuff, like, for the neighborhood, when they were uh, town hall meetings. No. And the, the, they were collecting money from all the non-Jewish people to go against the Yidin over there. No. Right. I think they collected maybe a thousand. <laughs> 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 the goal was 70K and they collected 300. Yeah, go ahead and don't know how to give. We are B'nai Avram Yisav Yaakov. That's Avram Avinu. That's Chesed. <clears throat> but the why was he testing Rivka's chesed? He should test Rivka's emuna. <coughs> water went up, not down. <coughs> Try to pull down <coughs> the water in the well, you know? <coughs> Anyways, so, uh, so he was trying to test Rivka's chesed. Why? And furthermore, where did Rivka come from? Her family wasn't the greatest of families. So there's real reason to believe that she wasn't such a maimon. She didn't have emuna. So Eliezer should have sat her down and said, No, who do you pray to every morning? You know, you got those little idols. Did he do the test? Did you beat up the idols and make a whole thing? What does he do? He says, Give me the drink. And she goes and she gives to the camels. So the explanation that I heard starts with a Tanya, starts with explaining a very famous uh, mission that we all know. And if we take it all the way through, it will give us a shot inside this story, and it'll give us a beautiful lesson. There's a very famous story, Hillel Azakin is met by a Jew and says, teach me all the Torah on one leg. And what does Hillel say? Go and learn, and everything else are the details. And everyone asks, I don't understand. Guy comes to Isha Torah, he wants to learn about the whole Torah, and what do you tell him? Love your friend like yourself, and everything else is details. What's Pshat? A question I think we've all, throughout our life, have heard. So this shot I heard this past week that the Tanya says as follows. I did not see it inside. So uh, we're going to have to take... So this is, we'll have to ask uh, Rav Yossi if this is uh, accurate. Apparently the Tanya says, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice vard. It makes sense. The Tanya says, how do you love your friend like yourself? You know, at the end of the day, you love yourself. You like your friend. You like him a lot. But you love him like yourself. It's a high level. How do you get to that level? Think about it. You know, even, even, I don't want to be not nice, but even, you know, spouse and children, you love, you love, you love as much as myself. So, okay, spouse and children, we could hear, yes, I would mamish risk everything. I would literally stick my neck out. Fine. But for your neighbor, Ben, watch out. But for your neighbor, you know, I hear you like, you try, but what is, what's really shot? I know these are the questions that like when you asked as a kid, you know, you, you maybe God said, no, you don't, we don't ask those things. You know, I hope you weren't told that. But what do you mean that you, you love him like yourself? So you know what the Tanya says? What are you looking for? Spoons? Yeah? No? Yeah, okay. The Tanya says that how do you love a friend like yourself is that when you meet another Jew, when you are giving to another person, whom are you giving to? What are you helping? You're not giving to another Jew. You're not helping another person. You're not talking to someone. There is an ishama that is opposite you. There's a piece of godliness that you are talking to. And that is what you are giving to. That is what you are helping. That is what you are connecting. The more we believe that the Jew that I am talking to is his neshama, 
is his source of godliness, is his spirituality, is this peace of holiness that came straight up from heaven underneath the heavenly throne, the more that you could believe that the Jew opposing you is that spark of holiness, then you could truly love him like yourself. Because what you just did is we just cut away all the outside layers. We just shedded all those layers. And we dove into his neshama. Ah, your beautiful, pure neshama. That I could love like myself. I only met one person in my life. Yeah. Who did that. Good. Good. So this, now, if we think about all the stories that we've heard of like these incredible like Kira people, that's how they did it. It's because they truly loved Jews for nothing. They don't even know who they are. You meet a random guy. Who is this guy? I don't know, but you're a Yid. I love you. You love him? Are you kidding me? How do you love him? So the answer is, the more that we believe that a person is his neshama, is his source of spirituality, the more that we can connect with him. And the reason why this is a beautiful idea on the side is because this is like a little bit of a trick sometimes and you have to like someone, but you can't because maybe they're not very nice to you and maybe like they don't deserve your... Whatever. But at the end of the day, is you, know, you have to, you have to, you have to. So what do you do? You pause for a moment and you say, he's a Yid, he's a Jew. There's something inside of him that's holy. Maybe right now he's not acting appropriately. Maybe right now he's not doing the right thing. Maybe right now he doesn't deserve... But the end of the day is, I'm going to get off and I'm going to do what's right. How do I do what's right? How do you go? And we hear the stories of Gedolim, that they meet people that... that uh, I just read, uh, I told you, I'm reading about Rabbi Kissinger. You know, stories about the people who put up signs against him. You know, and then they would call him up because then their grandson is going through some infertility and they know that Rabbi Kissinger is the best. So they'd call him up and say, can you help? And he wouldn't be like, you're, you're calling me? You, you publicly shamed me. You got up and you made a world war against me with a smile. And they would ask him, Rabbi, how can you do that? He's a kid. He's a kid. He's a Jew. The more that we can put inside ourselves that the person opposite us, he's not opposite us. He's a Jew. Just like I'm a Jew. We're all a Jew. Then we have an ability to connect to something deeper. And then we could truly come to the point of, that's the Tanya's pshat in that very famous Gemara. So what does this have to do with Eliezer? What does it have to do with Rivka? Because let's take this one step deeper. A person is his neshama. Everything in this world, in reality, is spirituality. We're always trying to connect somehow with the godliness in the world around us, whether it's in work, whether it's in school, whether it's at home, whether it's in interactions. We're always trying to do everything, as we've spoken, but what that means is finding the spiritual connection somewhere deep within each and everything. The more that we can connect with that spirituality in every scenario, what does that mean? That means we're getting rid of all the externalities, all the things that are black, is all that garbage that's clouding our vision and we're diving straight in. So what's chesed? What's a real chesed? When I give you a cup of water, what am I doing? I'm connecting to your neshama and I'm connecting to that godliness that's in this world. So first of all, now you understand that you have to that's the first thing. And I learned the whole Torah. Why? Because when the most I connect to your neshama, the most I connect to the soul inside of you, then now, what am I connecting to? I'm connecting to Hashem. I'm connecting to the Torah. Ah, if you could really, truly input inside of you that all you are is your neshama and I'm a neshama, the rest of all the details of the entire Torah, they're just details. Because it's all the same coming back to this central idea that everything is God, everything is Hashem, everything is the manifestation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this world. So when Eliezer went to Rivka and he said to her, give me a drink, the more that she was able to not look at externals, the more that she was able to not say, wait, who are you? Oh, I'm in camels? I should give animals? 
now it makes a lot of sense why giving the camels is such an important detail. Because if she was such a person that loved the chesed, that loved kindness, that wanted to do the right thing to the extent that she'll even do it to an animal, that's also... You know, there are stories which maybe now make sense to us. We hear stories of Gedalim that they were, you know, Tzatikim and Yushalayim, that they would go and give, like, the milk to the cat. Like, oh, this guy, a cute story, makes a nice picture. I think it's a very famous picture, maybe or some Zalman or someone. And I was like, what? Because it's an animal. He needs something. It's a creation. I'm going to give to it. Because when someone is a giver, when someone is a Baal Chesed, it doesn't make a difference, all the outside details. There's no sign on the building. There's no video uh, keeping them so they can put it on the next status. There's no picture that we could pose, biggest Baal Chesed in the world. All he's doing is connecting, which by the way, all those things are great. Because just on the side, the name of the building is good, says Ramesh Feinstein, because it encourages others to give. The more that we promote people doing good things is amazing, because it encourages people to do amazing things. Halivai, that we should live our life saying, take a video of me and put it on the status. If we would have that, that's what the Gemara, that's the Mesil Sisharim, that's what the Chavetz Chaim in the Sefer Shem Ailam writes, that the way we're supposed to look at technology is to realize, ah, when Hashem is videoing us, it's real. And the more, and he was in his days, I think the Shem Ailam was, says about the gramophone, and now we can understand how you could broadcast things loud, and now we could see how Hashem, I think we can understand it a lot more. You know, every movement is seen and is visible, and oh, you were there. But back to where we were talking. So now that Eliezer Eved Avram asks her about Chesed, that is indeed showing that she has real Amuna. Because only a person that believes in God at their core would go so far to not care about anything. I don't care who you are. You're a stranger. I'm going to help you. There's an animal. I'm going to help it as well. I'm not only going to help it. I'm going to help all of them. I'm going to do something that's incredibly difficult with a smile because that is a person that is a Baal Chesed internally and ex- ex- intrinsically. And such a person, of course, understands this Tanya, understands this Hila Azakin, realizes understands that the way to love someone else is their neshama, is their godliness with inside of them. And that's how ultimately this was the best test for Eliezer Eved Avram. Because this was the ultimate way to realize that she was connected to something so much larger than life. And the truth is, we can understand this on a very simplistic level, as you all said earlier, is this go look in the world that the people who are giving why they're giving, and who they're giving. And then look at the people who are really giving. And now we can understand that someone who's really giving, and giving, in, giving doesn't only mean money, giving means time, giving means energy, giving means in all areas being a real Baal Chesed, really connecting to people on their internal spiritual level. That person is connected to God. That person is so unreal. And that is the most incredible lesson of Eliezer Eved Avram, of Chaye Sarah, that 100 to 20 to 7, that she was coming and she lived her whole life without externals. So our, what we have to try to do is that when we see kids, and I'll, and I'll, I'll throw in something that I saw, uh, they said at Bashim Raitorsky, a short someone else he was quoting, he used to say, what, when we light candles, we light candles for our children. It's a basic minog. And it's one of those things that's not really sourced. So why does he do it? He used to say, because after a whole week of your kids being good and being not so good, never say bad, not so good. It's a real thing, by the way. Not so good. And the kids being active and being destructive and being, you know, everything, everything, everything. And I want to get to difficult in a moment if if Elm has patience of our Kaddish afterwards. But Cesar Tursky, you stop and you light that candle and you realize at the end of the day, it's my child. And each one is special, and each one is a light, 
and each one. And therefore, when you light candles, when a woman lights candles, she has a moment to just stop and realize. And usually that is the moment that the kid's breaking the glass on the floor. And that's the moment that the house is chaos, which maybe, I don't think he was saying that because his house probably wasn't that way. But that's the moment that you sit there and you light the candle and you realize each and every one is special. So what I was trying to say as I sidetracked myself is that when we look at children, we can look at the beauty of the child, not necessarily how beautiful they re- that we think they are and their designer clothing that we might dress them in and the way that we care. They don't care. You give the kid something, the kid goes running them on. No, the kid doesn't care. The kid doesn't care. The kid's filthy. The kid's bleeding. The kid doesn't care. The kid wants to have a good time. That's Chayi Sarah. The more that we can connect to the kid, connect to the kid that doesn't care about outsides, doesn't care about titles, doesn't care about looks, doesn't care about the way people think they are, doesn't care about any of that. Happy and carefree children. The more we could do that, the more we could start shedding all the labels, all the stigmas, all the externalities that unfortunately govern our life, connect to what is real, and ultimately what that really is, is connecting to the Yid, connecting to the Neshama, connecting to the soul that is inside each and every person and bringing out the godliness inside each and every one of us.